Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back, man. So glad to have you. Thanks for taking time once again to be part of uh, the Musicians Cafe. We're always open for business and glad you're here to join us. My name is Brian Dick, and I'm here with my co-host, a man who loves to go to the beach and surf. He's so talented, he can hang tan when he's body surfing. It's pretty cool. Mr. Chris, the lifeguard gray. Chris, man, how are you feeling, my man? I'm good. Y'all don't want to see me surf, though. <laughs> it's a bad day if you see me out surfing. Uh, I've had too many drinks. Oh, tell, me no. to, tell me to come back in. It's too dangerous. <laughs> I've seen you. You're great. You do a great job at it. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, man, thanks for joining us once again, and glad to have you here, Chris. And we've got with us none other than a local legend, Mr. David Elliott. David, how are you feeling, sir? I'm feeling wonderful. Oh, man. I'm glad. Ready to roll. I was a little bit crazy when you first walked in the door, but we got everything settled down. We're ready to go now, right? Exactly. <laughs> Full speed ahead. That's what I say. That's very cool. Well, Chris, man, if you don't mind, I've got some stuff here on the menu I need to get out of the way. Can we do that? Yeah, man. Lots going on, everybody. So get a pen and write down on the paper all the stuff you're going to do this coming weekend for sure. We're going to start off, like always, at our friends uh, David and Chris down at Chally Ho just joined us last week. We had a great time. Uh, they've got a full weekend as well. We talked about this on the 21st, Friday night. They've got Yachtly Crew. If you guys remember what that Yachtly Crew music like, it's like 70s, easy listening. It's kind of cool. Uh, on the 22nd, and I can't make this, but I'd like to, but they've got the Rush experience. David, you a Rush fan? Uh, I, I was the drummer uh, fan. You were the Neil, drummer fan. Neil, like Neil, yeah. oh, Neil was fantastic. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Great songwriter, too, for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, they're going to be there on Saturday night, and then on Sunday they're going to have music again. Um, it's the Broken Hearts, and that, that's a Tom Petty tribute band, so that would be a lot of fun. I love Tom Petty music, so definitely check that out. On the 21st at Hollywood Casino, none other than the Motor City Madman, Mr. Ted Nugent's going to be there. How about that, David? Well, I mean... I love him. <laughs> yeah. I, I do love him. You just got to love Ted. He's crazy man. in the best of ways. Yes. There you go. How long has he been making music for? Oh, my gosh. He was in, uh, I'm trying to think of his first band. It was, uh, I'll come up with it by the end of the, the show here. But, uh, my gosh, yeah, he's been making The Amboy Dukes. Amboy Dukes. That's there right. Formed in 1963. You. Google yeah. is a fantastic tool. <laughs> Makes me look dumb sometimes. I could come up with the Amboy Dukes for nothing, but, uh. But he made a lot of great music. Of course, had his biggest hits uh, in the 70s. Uh, then joined, you know, uh, he, he uh, joined up later on with some other groups. And, and he's made a lot of great music over the years. And, and he's very outspoken, very political, which, you know, divides some people. But uh, however, he still is. Uh, he's Ted Nugent, for crying out loud. So you're not going to get any closer than Hollywood Casino to see him. So make sure you make your way out and see him on Friday night. On Saturday, they have the rumors and I've actually watched these folks uh, on YouTube. They're a Fleetwood Mac tribute band. And I'm telling you what, man, it doesn't get much more perfect than what they can do as far as uh, recreating the music of Fleetwood Mac. So if you're a fan of them, this would be a great night to go out and check it out for sure. Uh, moving over to Bear Chase Brewery. Uh, some familiar names there over the weekend. On Friday night is Mark Dunn. On the 22nd, Saturday night is Carrie Wimbrish. And then Melanie Pearl will be, uh, we, pardon me, will be there in the evening. And then on Sunday, they're going to have Dan Barry. So make sure you check out Bear Chase. Box Office Brewery's got, on the 21st Friday night, it's got Shockwave. And we've been chasing them down for a while, too, Chris. we got to do that. And then a friend of the show is there on Saturday night, Mr. Robbie Lyman. He's going to be there, so make sure you check that out. Moving closer to Winchester at Piccadilly Brew Pub, um, on Friday night is Brian Stutzman. And on Saturday night is the Fog Band. Do you know those guys? Yes, I know Chuck Mason. Okay. Yeah. I yeah, thought that's who that was. They're very talented. Been around a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's for sure. Um, at the Monument, they're showing a show, pardon me, a show for Friday night. It's Clay Moulton, and it's listed as Soul Fire Blues, Chris. Man, I don't know. Have you heard of that name before? Okay. Is that the genre of yeah, music? Yeah. Soul Fire? Soul Fire Blues is what they're saying. I don't know. I haven't heard of it. Because I thought blues, yeah. It's mm. cool, though. It sounds fun. Yeah. yeah I like it. Um, on Saturday night at the Bright Box downtown is going to be the Corey Harris Band. And on Sunday, they're going to have Sweet Mountain Laurel and also Brian Shepard. Brian joined us for a show. So that sounds like a lot of fun, too. That's uh, some Americana music there. It'd be fun to go see. Yeah. Everybody loves Sunday music. It'd be fun. Uh, moving over to Backseat Event Center. They've got a big weekend coming up on the 22nd, Saturday night. They've got... Completely Unchained, along with Shout at the Devil. Those are both tribute bands. Obviously, 
completely unchained is your Van Halen. And then also shout out to that was going to be a Motley Crue tribute band. And man, that's right up my alley. I'm actually going to be away over the weekend, so I can't go see it. But boy, holy heck, that would be a great show to go see. And you could definitely fill out the that big event center for Jerry and them out there for sure. For sure. P2, they've got a busy weekend too. On the 20th, they've got Elijah, Elijah Mayer. The 20, that's Thursday night, too, by the way. On the 21st, Friday night, is Kellen Little, a friend of the show. We just talked about him, Chris. I'm excited for Kellen. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, and then on the 22nd, is Grace and Music. Do I have that right? Grace and Moon. Moon. Sorry, yeah. I've just got it written down as music for some reason. That was my, my mistake. Grace and Moon. Sorry about that, Grace. And he's going to be there on the 22nd on Saturday night. And then the only other thing I got is uh, we got to give a shout-out to Polly Coconuts and Christina and Elliot and the rest of the folks over there for the Mission Road Band. They're going to be at Alfredo's in Charlestown, and that's on Saturday evening. Uh, they're pretty regular over there, so I'm, I'm sure they're going to put on a great show because they're just like playing from home. Um, so definitely go check out Mission Road on Saturday night. And Chris, that's all I got. Did I miss anybody? I did get the Troubadour. Do you see anything for the Troubadour? I haven't, but I'll check them out before yeah, the end we need of the to show do the just Troubadour. to make sure. While you're looking that up, I'll do the I'll do this question. If Sounds you good. Care. Yeah. You might know this answer, David. I do a question every, no, every no week. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Okay. Shout it out if you got it. But every week I try to do a trivia question of the show, and this is uh, this is kind of fun one, too. I thought, um, name the last number one hit that was done by a member of the Beatles. Now, it doesn't have, it's not by the Beatles, it's by a member of the Beatles, and what that song would be. Oh, gosh. Would, yeah. it, would it be Ringo? No, it's actually not not Ringo. Uh, George, uh, I'll give you that little hint. I'll give you George. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, How many choices do we have? I'm not going to give you any. <laughs> it's really not too hard. I mean, if you know the uh, if you know the songbook by George Harrison, you could probably figure it out. Um, but we'll get to the end of the show, and I'll give you the answer if you can't. You know, if you I can't think I know it. the song, but I can't think of the title. But it's about you know getting maybe uh, trying to. For, formulate an artist and ha- have them famous. Yeah. It's going to take a whole lot of money. Whole hey, lot of money. you know what? You have the song. You yeah, actually I, do I, have I, the song. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give it away yet, David. I'm just going to wait till the end of the show and we'll give everybody the answer and you'll know that you're right, too. Away now. No, I'm not going to give it away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Chris, did I miss the Troubadour? Did you find anything? Yeah, Troubadour Lounge and Park Berkeley Springs has the Red Handed Band and that's at 8 o'clock outside uh, under the moon. All right. Cool. Yep. We got to always give a shout out to Tony and Sylvie up there for sure. All right, man. That's all I got. Cool. We are here with a man that has a, a lineage of music background that's so long and so full and exciting and lots of things we're going to talk about. David Elliott. David, we're so happy you're here with the man with us, man. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. It's totally my pleasure. Thank oh, my you. gosh. You've been busy this summer, you were telling me. A lot of wineries, hotels, that sort of thing, you know, yeah. And busy. Or, the jobs are coming in like, you know, mountains. You know, I, I was trying to figure out a certain amount of days a month that I'd like to work. And it's more than that. <laughs> it's more than that. But, I, but I, you know, I'm just going to make hay while the sun shines. Is that a good thing? Is it yeah. a good thing? You still it's a get very, up for it's it? It's a very good thing. You know, I love doing it. I, I still love playing live music. And it's not going to... I don't see it changing until my I legs gotcha. go or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, you say you're still at it, though. But yeah. so how long have you been at it? S- since I, well, professionally, probably since I was about 20, 21, when I was living in England. And I, I, I went over to England and everybody was telling me here, you must be nuts, you know, because I was, I was, well, I was working at a band down in Miami. Right. In this really rotten little club, you know, and I told the band I was going to go over to England, get a record deal. And I mean, they couldn't stop laughing. And then I went over to England and got a record deal with Atlantic Records, which was an American record label. Wow. Uh, right. You have to go yeah. to England and get a record deal with an American Isn't label. That's that just wow. common sense to tell you that, right? <laughs> it just one thing led to another and it just it just happened and I did some touring with some amazing people over there that I uh, yeah, had had looked up to a long time you know for a long right. time you know right. like, like uh, you know King Crimson uh, if you're familiar with him or the Kings sure. and and just a lot of big names and I did television over there and everything it was a slightly surreal you know coming from yeah, the club in Miami that I'm talking about. I'm you know? sure. I'm sure. And I got to I got to bring the the, the album back and and hand it to the band and say, hey, 
guess what? So when you told me before the podcast, right. I could call you Sir David. Yeah, well, well, people tend to call me Sir now because I, I've, I've reached some kind of a mature age, which I will not uh, dis- disclose. <laughs> uh, but so I say instead of Sir, just call me Sir Dave. You know, there you go. Yeah, you're knighted. I, mean, I thought yeah. you were knighted. I, yeah. I well, no, there's a lot of people would like to crown me. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to re- rewind even more, David. Let's, let's go back before you even, uh, you know, made your trip over to, to London. Where did your music roots start? Did you grow up in a household like that? How did it work oh, out it, you? you know, it's, it's real complicated. My dad was a foreign service state department, so I lived all around the world growing up. I okay. went to, like, kindergarten to third grade in Beirut, Lebanon. I went to junior high in Hong Kong, wow. senior high in Singapore. And Good the most Lord. influential <laughs> thing that happened to me was living in Hong Kong in my teenage years and going to a British school and, li- and listening to British rock music uh, firsthand. And it just, I mean, it just stuck with me. And I, I guess I, like I said, I was, I was playing in bands from, I guess, maybe probably 13 years old on, you know, cause I started learning guitar when I was 12 and I was just like every day after school home, boom, right to the guitar. Wow. So, so yeah, so that's when it really started and I just got the bug and it never went away. That's very cool. And guitar was the first instrument. No, piano was. Was it really? Okay. My parents made me uh, learn guitar from 7 to 11 years old, but I always tell people that they didn't teach. My teacher never taught me anything cool. (laughs) You know, and I swear, all I can remember from that that, uh, time, four years, is scales. And then, right. uh, but so then I, then I, uh, my mother bought me a guitar when I was 12 and I started singing in school and people seemed to like it. And I thought, well, that's cool. So what I did is I transferred my chord knowledge onto the piano. I knew where the notes were, but I didn't have a chord concept on the piano. And then, and that's what I've been doing a lot because a lot of the jobs I do are piano jobs. A lot of the jobs I do are guitar jobs, but, um, I always say that I am playing guitar on the piano and I am multitasking. The thing that women think us men cannot do, I'm multitasking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but, but it's great because one, one instrument helps the other. Sure. Hey, sure. I grilled chicken and drank bourbon tonight at the same time. <laughs> I think that's multitasking. Nah, it definitely qualifies for sure, Chris. Yep. But so David, you grew up, uh, Sir David, you, I like it. you're a lot of different places. Yeah. Um, did you listen to American music, American rock, or did you listen to the country's music wherever you were at? Well, um, this unfortunately will probably uh, disclose some some kind of concept about my age, but but I would say that I was listening to pre-Beatles rock and roll, British uh, rock and roll, and people like Cliff Richard and that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, when I w- when I was probably you know 12 years old something like that and that had a good influence on me too because i thought a lot of his early stuff was really good but of course um you know yeah and, and i got i got the beatles music before america did because i was listening to the beatles from like the like six, 1962 mm-hmm. on you know when they first came out with their first single in england love me do right so i was listening to it early and and i was totally totally taken by that whole scene and then of course it hit america in 64 and the british invasion was just like all over the place yes i can i'd love to think that oh. I could, i'd love to have been there honestly i would have i would have loved I would to have been loved in to. england at that period of yeah time, i think you're know? right about that for sure it was it just it was an explosion and, and that's what sort of i mean that's that that ignited you then at that point is that correct oh wait, yeah yeah i mean it, yeah Totally, and totally. It, you were learning to play. Did you did you know that you were a singer from the early age? Well, let's say that I thought I w- thought I was, <laughs> <laughs> and and people kept paying me. So well, hey, I guess yeah, I, go. I go. So that makes me a professional? Question mark. I guess, but you know, I just love doing it. I got gotcha. you. But gotcha. but the, the weird thing was when I got to England, I and and I got the record deal with Atlantic. I hadn't had much. Uh, recording studio experience and I went into the studio and I learned one important thing that it, the microphone in the studio doesn't let it let you get away with flat notes as, right. as in live which is not too uh, so but but the, the good thing about recording in the studio then it then it really makes you perfect the art so that when you do sing live you're you're more conscious of, of being right on the note understood understood 
Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. And I guess to go back to your first point about um, you thinking you're not good at singing and probably weren't at first. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't. It takes a lot of work, right? It's a, it's a, but, yeah. It's, but it's just like an instrument. And I've learned this over the years too myself. You know, I wasn't the biggest singer um, out, of course. And now I do it more and more and it's easier and easier. Is that the way you found it to be too? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like driving a car. It becomes second nature. Yeah. To me, but yeah, but it was it was a definite uh, learning the technique concept. And another thing that people don't realize is that uh, you also said about the studio and how you have to hone your skills for the studio. Right. Everybody always has this concept in their mind about you know you're going to the studio, uh, they're cranking up the auto tune. Um, that's not always true, right? Well, uh, in the early days when I was recording, we were doing it all analog. So wow. if, if you got it wrong, you did it again. <laughs> and yep. I don't really, and you know, unless it's a real it's a, a situation where, where there, you put so much heart into the song that they don't want to get rid of that vocal, then maybe auto-tune. But on the whole, I don't like using it. Right. I'm going to ask a stupid question. Is Auto-Tune strictly digital, or do they have an analog version of it? As far as I know, I don't think they can could have an analog version. Okay, I, didn't, I, didn't, I had no I, idea. I mean, it's yeah. like... It's, it's, that's you know, wild it's, to yeah. think about, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, and that's why a lot of the, the, the really great music was all done at one time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know, yeah. you, you, no overdubs and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Right, you know? right. So it was great. And the song, I mean, like songs like House of the Rising Sun, one track. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild to th- yeah. think about even. Talk about pressure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Just do it again. Yeah, that's true. You got in the studio in London at that right. point, right? Right. You've been playing for a while, obviously. Mm-hmm. Now, were you in the studio doing stuff of your own or oh, were yes, you with definitely. a group okay that's, oh, definitely. okay definitely i and, and it was really cool because i uh my producer was a fellow named mick grabham and he eventually uh ended up with playing guitar for proco harem oh yeah but he knew all these people in town so i had the drummer and the bass player for elton john on my first album Dang. and and it looks like i i really knew them and they were good buddies of mine and I, but so so look the album looks very impressive and, and i have kept in touch with you know some of the musicians that worked on it but but some of them were just phenomenal like albert lee now if you don't know who albert lee is he he played uh, guitar on such songs as uh my baby thinks he's a train by roseanne cash uh, two more bottles of wine emmylou harris right and he did a lot of touring as a backup guitarist for eric clapton he toured with the everly brothers but he was—he's she's just a phenomenal guitar player, and, right. and he and I have stayed in touch through the years. Wow, that to to be involved with people of that caliber—I I mean, I guess I guess they were still sort of growing in 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 the music field as as you were at that time, right? I guess they weren't quite the names that we know now. Is that fair? Uh, well, Albert Lee definitely wasn't a name because right. he was in a, a band in England called Heads, Hands, and Feet. And from what I understood was Jerry Lee Lewis came over to England, heard him, and he said, you're coming on tour with me to, to America. And Jerry, went, uh, Albert went, went with him for a while, but he thought he was a little bit too out there. Yeah. And so it, the, 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 it, didn't, it didn't really work out longevity-wise with him. Yeah, I can imagine. Whatever the killer tells you, you got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. for sure. Right. So after your stint in England, you came back to Florida. Did you actually stay there, or did you just oh, come no, back no, to no, brag no. a little Florida, bit? Florida was before England. Uh, okay. Yeah, but you came back to brag, right? Show them your album. Uh, well, actually, they the band was originally from D.C. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. So that that's where that's why I ended up coming uh, back to. It. I guess it was brag. I don't know. I don't know if I want to put it in that category, but but I did want to say, you know, see, I I, I did for some reason in the back of my head, I thought, you know, I I want more than this. Right. Just playing in a, in a band on the weekend and just playing everybody else's stuff. I want to do something original. So you came back to D.C. This around this area? Yeah, I. Uh, th- now this may sound a bit strange, but um, because I traveled most of my life overseas, when I came back to the states from England, uh, I was like 27, and I didn't really know where I wanted to live in America. I didn't have any idea, and I rode across the states with friends from home, got to California, and I, and I thought, no, nah, that doesn't work. And I, I first originally came to this area 
uh, to go to Shenandoah College and Conservatory of Music. Okay. Was that, that was what it was called. It's called Shenandoah University. Yes, now. yeah. But, and, and then I just gravitated back here, and I like the area. This is stuck. Y- yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So you did go to Shenandoah. Yeah. I majored in voice, minor in piano. So you made. So you not only thought that you couldn't sing, then you went and majored in voice. No, I didn't say I couldn't sing. I I said I'd like to think other people. Oh, thought, gotcha. uh, I could sing. <laughs> I, no, I mean I thought I could sing. Well, I, what I did, uh, and uh, when I was about eleven, I had this little tape recorder, and I and a little I don't I recorded myself in my house on it, and it just wasn't very That's... good. So, but I was still determined. Right. Right. Yeah. That's cool. So. Man, I'm telling you, uh, David, you were nice enough when you got here. You let Chris and I have a, a, a bio just to kind of catch us up a little bit with with your experiences. And, you know, when you were in London, and you've toured with artists, too. And you don't mind me, I'm going to throw them out there. The Kinks you mentioned, Gordon Lightfoot. We just lost Gordon. I know. What amazing music he made. Yes. One that bounced off the page for me was Randy Newman. Right. I mean, everybody's going to know him because of short people. But, folks, I'm telling you, there's so many songs that Randy Newman has written and sang, it's astonishing. And then King Crimson. I mean, you've really touched base with some amazing talent. I, I toured Europe with King Crimson. It was really amazing. He did Italy, Germany, and France. And uh, I'd been listening to King Crimson previous to that uh, down when I was uh, living down in Key West, right, Florida. Um, but um, So a lot of the things that I was listening to back then... Uh, the doors open when I got to England. I ended up interacting with those people that I that I was sort of in awe of. Sure, yeah, that's and what King it Crimson like. was definitely one of them. Oh my so. gosh! Open arms, we welcomed you and played along. It was fun, right? Yeah, great yeah. experience. Yeah, wow, yeah. wow, that's fantastic. So then, bring us up to speed after that. London went on to where you came back to the states. As I, we I talked just about. came back to the states, and I, I wanted to. <laughs> Sounds weird. I wanted to to get normal together, you know, because when I was living in England, I couldn't own a house really. You know, you, I, I wasn't a citizen, and, and I was just a resident. And I just wanted to come back here, get a house, get the normal, all the normal things everybody has, you know. And I did. I got it. Right. So that was really cool. But I but I have a recording studio in my house, of course. Of course, yeah. But uh, I, I'd, I'd like to get on to the, the, these songs because yeah. I, I I was very blessed to have uh, people. That I uh, looked up to uh, record my songs. And by the way, let me just backtrack a second. While I was still in England in 1974, uh, my second manager was a guy named John Glover, who managed the band Free, that okay, had the yeah. big hit yeah. All Right Now. Yeah. And um, uh, I had done a gig up at a university in, in a town called Bath, and, he, and my manager ordered me some money for that. And so I was looking for him, and he said he was in a studio with Paul Kossoff. Free had just broken up. And Kossoff was auditioning all these other people because he wanted to get a band together. And I had written a song that was just perfect right in the pocket for for the band Free, although they didn't do it. But um, but anyway, Kossoff looked at me, and after we were chatting for a bit, and he said, do you have a song? I said, yep, I sure do. And we recorded a song, and he put like five or six screaming guitars on it. I mean, he was unbelievable right the amount of people that are paul kossoff fans p- include people like eric clapton and, and pete townsend and just you know oodles of of people that just look up to him and I'm all just... all all the members of leonard skinner were were kossoff fans. right and i just was lucky to be at the right time a, place a, a right musician's time. musician yes is what they call it yes yeah. yes yeah for sure Oh my gosh! Yeah, so we could do whatever you or you well, want to do about let's this. Let's play all one. I'd like people to hear the guitar work on it, okay, and, and, le- and hear all the guitars on it. I mean, if you could hear them all, there's about yeah. five or six. Yeah, let's <laughs> definitely do this. This is the one you did with Paul Kossoff. You wrote, um, uh, recorded yeah, right. the song "All One" with Paul Kossoff. So we'll get Chris if he'll cue that wild thing up. And we'll I want to make sure I got this right. That's the number three, right? Yeah. Uh, here yeah. we go. Here we go. Yeah. 
All right, that song is called All One. Love that song. That's written by our guest, David Elliott. David, man, you have to be very proud of that song. That's got a great groove to it, for sure. It was right in the pocket. Yeah, right. A lot of the free stuff, for example, like All Right Now. Absolutely, yeah. 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 I mean, you could hear that guitar tune in that, too. And, uh, yeah. you, know, you know, Paul. Now, who's doing the vocal on that? Me. Is that you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, I didn't even realize I that. How it. did I not know that? I wouldn't have guessed it. Yeah. Um, Fabulous. Is there a double lead guitar on that? Would you say, or because there's no, I mean, there's no rhythm to that. Is there's two lead guitars? It's so good. Oh, man. oh you mean are there are, are guitars playing chords? Is that what you're saying? No, I just, I just feel like there's definitely two lead guitars. Oh yeah. Song. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saying he put about five or six leads down, and we just sort of when we mixed it, we had to decide which one layered to it out, leave, leave in, and take out. It wow. was like, but well, anyway, the, what I was going to say was, you know, because you were asking what happened after I, I, I left England, but there's actually some stuff that I for, probably forgot to say because the fourth year that I was in England that happened and the fourth year that uh, I was in England uh, a Canadian band called April Wine recorded yeah. a song of mine that I didn't even know they recorded and and what had happened was uh, a fellow with Atlantic Records in New York heard my second album heard the song on it uh, called um, I'm on Fire for You Baby and, right. he, and he took it up to April Wine in, in Canada and said you got to record this it's a hit and because uh, April Wine were being distributed by one of uh, Atlantic Records' subsidiary uh, record labels. And he took it up there. And it was in the charts before I even... I was going to say, I, he was I didn't right. Even know, I, didn't even know, I didn't even know. And so that I'm, I'm real pleased with that song, too. And it's been placed in three different movies. Oh, mo- my gosh, movies. yeah. Tell us about that. So, so yeah. So I, I was just I was just knocked out. And, and I've, I've fortunately uh, got to see April Wine a couple times uh, singing my song live, which was a real kick for That's- Song, for a songwriter, yeah, yeah, and going up to the times I've gone up to Toronto and turned on a radio and heard the song was like, I mean, you, you, you know, for a songwriter, you can't, you, the, you, the adrenaline is unbelievable, you know, hearing your song, right, radio, right, it's just, it's just, it's really, it's really fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, we can't dangle that carrot though, man. He's talking about the song. We got to let everybody hear what he's talking yeah. about, don't we? Let's see what we got here. <laughs> Let's do it. This is one called "I'm on Fire for You, Baby." Thank you. 
this empty space I've held so long You come around and now I'm warm I thought that I was having fun And now I see the way it's done Thought we'd let a life before Who we were, well, I'm not sure But one thing I know is right I loved you then, I'm gonna love you tonight I'm on fire for you, baby Fire for you, woman, all night I'm on fire for you, baby Fire for you, woman, all night So don't take your time, it's getting late might lose if we hesitate Cause being free is lots of fun For me, though I'm just 21 I got things to do and things to see Might even have to leave you be But till that time, let's give our all And don't look back until we fall I'm on fire for you, baby Fire for you, woman, all night sounds of april wine and they're doing a song i'm on fire for you baby written by our guest david elliott man uh, first of all david i'm in the tank for april wine i love them they're just cool. they had cool. a bunch of hits really i mean it had that side of them which was sort of an, a softer side uh-huh. they had rockers like my favorite roller and a lot of you know i just want to rock and stuff like that another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, that had to be so satisfying for you to hear them doing your song. Wow. Absolutely. But um, Miles Goodwin, who's the lead singer for the group, wrote a song called Just Between You and Me. Yeah, of course. I mean, he and I talked about it, and he said, I really like your song. I said, man, I really like your song. So it was sort of a really cool level of uh, mutual admiration thing. But I love that song. Because I saw April one in concert a couple times, and he was almost apologizing for the ballads. Wow. I, said, I said, Miles, if you can write a song called Just Like You and Me, don't apologize. 
Yeah, right, exactly. Don't apologize, because that, that was great song. So the question that jumps out to me is, you mentioned that you didn't even know that April Wine had the song to record. Right. Their finished product, does it, did it come out like you had it in your mind? Or uh, yeah, I mean, some of the lyrics changed, and that's always what happens yeah, when sure. other people yeah. record your songs. Yeah. But yeah, I was just so pleased that it happened. I, I you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain about anything yeah. right? because it was just, I was just so pleased they did it, you know. And I was so pleased that other people in the business that got them the song uh, believed in the song. Right. Right. So, so did were they able to hear like an idea of the song first, or did they just have lyrics, or I mean, what? You mean when I write? Well, no, when when they found your song. How yeah. did they find your song? Oh, well, um, who uh, who actually took it up to the... was a guy named Doug Morris, who's now the president of Sony Music. He's a big deal. He's a biggie. He's a biggie. But he, at that time, he was um, uh, president of Big Tree Records, which was a subsidiary of Atlantic. And Big Tree at that time was distributing uh, um, April Wine's music. Okay. In, in America, and that's why he knew Doug Morris knew of April Wine. But as I say, my second my second Atlantic album uh, had that song on it, and he heard it and said that's that's good. He t- so he took it up to them, and basically told them you're going to do it. I think that's the way it that's happened. That's wild. That is yeah. wild. Yeah, we learn in life that you never know who you're going to cross paths with, and that certainly is true in your case on a lot of levels. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, so I got back to the States and I was, um, I, I recorded years ago down in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Yeah. Uh, with, with the Swampers, if you know who. Oh, they absolutely. Are. Yeah. Leonard Skinner this, sang about this. In <laughs> Muscle Shoals, I got the Swampers. Well, they yeah. were, they were uh, uh, four guys that everybody wanted to use Wilson Pickett, Aretha, you know, sure, yeah, she people. did. Yep. And, and uh, so anyway, I kept in touch with them and I sent a song down to them for a little Scottish singer who was down there at the time called Frankie Miller, who you may not be aware of, but you should listen to him because he's amazing. Okay. But anyway, they called me back and they said, well, we really like this song, but would you mind if Levon Helm did it? Oh. And I said, <laughs> I don't think I mind. Now, <laughs> yeah. Levon, now here's, here's the weird thing. Levon Helm was the vocalist on the night they, they drove old Dixie down. Up on Cripple Creek, right. the weight, you know, take a load off Annie. Take a yep. load. He was the vocalist on that. He was the drummer, singer for the band. The band, yep. And so he was really well known. So they recorded the song, and uh, he was on a record label called Malico, which was, was a subsidiary of Capital. And anyway, uh, they called me back after they recorded it, and they said, man, this song sounds really great. We just put a, set of, a second set of drums on it. It sounds like a hit. And I thought... Okay, right. I'm there. I'm there, but Capital, who was there, you know, you know, they had they they had to adhere to whatever Capital sure, wanted. Yeah. Capital didn't want to release a single on him. Wow. And he had just been on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. He had just done the movie Coal Miner's Daughter, yeah, where he okay, played yeah. Loretta father, and he didn't want to release a single on him. But it's okay because they because he did it. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. And so uh, it opens a lot of interesting doors, especially when I go down and write with different people in Nashville because they, Oh, you wrote for Levon Helmet. Yeah. I know. So it opens doors. People want to write, of course, but yeah. he, but he recorded a song of mine called, I've got a bet with myself that I, I think he really did a good job on. Wow. I know we've got that queued up too. I think, I don't know. I'd love to hear it, man. Let's, think let's, so. let's is that the last, is that a number five? Uh, I just no, downloaded number one. It's number, number one. one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Here we go. I just downloaded this. I wish CD it was everybody. number one. <laughs> this is called, I've got a bet with myself. Here we go. Over you. 
Unmistakable sound of Mr. Levon Helm. At least it is to me because I was a big fan of the band and I love Levon Helm's stuff that he's done back in the day. And that's doing a song by David Elliott, our guest here. That's called I've Got a Bet with Myself. Man, I'm tapping my toe to that thing, David. That's awesome. <laughs> How great is that song, right? Well, I, I, I'm glad you feel that way. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine what it'd be like, Chris, to pin a song and then have somebody like Levon Helm sing it and yeah, be so know. great, right? I don't think we've had a songwriter um, as accomplished as you on the show no, so far. No, we've had some great ones, but not we, quite yeah. that yet. Yeah. yeah, not not radio and production. Wow. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm glad you feel that. Have way. you have you were you able to ever have a conversation with with him about the song? Not about the song, but uh, they were they played up at the I want to say University of Maryland. Okay. Uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I but I got into the bus and it was like all the band, every, all the guys in the band. I got to hang out with them and everything. We just chatted and had we had a blast. Right, and they were just all real up people, you know, just having a good good time, you know. But uh, uh, no, I didn't get the chance to talk to them about that particular song. No, right, just, right. We just talked, but but the most hilarious thing was, I was on the bus and I said, "Levon, could I get a picture taken with you?" And he said, "Oh sure, let me go back. Uh, I'll be right back." And he went back and came out in his underwear. <laughs> I mean, he was he was fully clothed, you know, as far as that's going. But he was in his underwear, and I said, "Wait a minute." He said, "Look, do you want a picture or not?" And he was he wasn't being smart alecky. He was just being fun. Yeah. And I said, "Yeah." And I took the picture, and it didn't actually look like he was in his underwear, but he he was he was so, he was so funny. He He's, he's a card, if we oh, understand. Yeah, he really is. Young really. folks out there, and I have to give a shout-out to my brother, too, because he loves the movie. But if you ever get a chance to see uh, the movie Shooter, uh, Levon Helm plays a part in that, too. He's like a ballistics specialist in the middle of the movie. Kind of an eccentric older guy. And, plays, oh, and yeah. I think it's a, I right, along this, right along the exactly sort of what his personality probably was a little bit, I would imagine. Right. Uh, but gosh, very, very cool. So, man... Keep us going, David. Okay, I'm loving okay, this, let man. Me, okay, the the uh, I'm sort of jumping around here. Oh, sorry. But but uh, the fourth year that I was in England, I was sharing a flat, and they called them flats over yeah, there, not uh -huh. apartments over with a fellow named uh, Tim Knight, who was A and R man for. Uh, Warner Brothers and A&R stands for artists and repertoire. In other words, they look for artists for the label and they look for repertoire songs for the existing artists. And he'd bring home famous people every so often, you know. And he brought this guy in one night, you know, and they were having a good time laughing and everything. And, and this other guy's name was Tim as well. And I, I said, and he was an American. And I said, well, uh, what do you do? And I said, well, I, I'm a music business. I, I said, do you write? He said, yeah. I said, uh, well, do you play guitar? I said, yeah. Oh, okay, come into my room, and I'll play some of my songs. You play some of yours. So I played him some of my songs, and then, and then he started playing Tim Harden songs. Now, Tim Harden wrote Reason to Believe that, that Rod Stewart cut, and, of course, he, record, he, re, he wrote If I Were a Carpenter, yeah. and he's written a lot of other songs that a lot of other artists have record, recorded that a lot of people don't know about it. But all of a sudden, I'm sitting there with Tim Harden, and he's saying, Man, Dave, you're a good writer. We should write together. And I said, Sure, sure, sure. 
he had had a couple glasses of wine. <laughs> okay. And so I thought he was just five being, or six. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's probably an understatement. But it, but but he was feeling no pain, and I just thought he was being really nice to me, you know. But he gave me his phone number and told me to call him the next day, and we'll get together. Sure. And the next day, I thought oh, he 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 probably won't even remember who I am. So I called him and I said. Um, uh, look, you probably don't even remember who I am. We were supposed to get together today. And he said, yeah, man, you let me down. And I went, whoa. I said, look, can I please make it up to you? Because I, I said, you know, you write such great songs. I didn't think you really needed a co-writer. Right. He said, no, not, man, let's, let's write. So we got together the next day and we wrote a song called If You Sell One Acre. And he initially wanted to write it about some... Indian tribe in the Midwest somewhere that kept just giving off acreage until they just about had nothing. And I said, well, why don't we do it sort of, I guess the word's metaphorically, um, about people who who sell themselves short or compromise in, in a music business to get to get ahead as opposed to sticking to their roots and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. and, and so that's what we did. We wrote a song about, and it ends up actually sounding about... Uh, like anybody who compromises their standards to get ahead, yeah, and and, and that's that. so. If you sell one, it's if you sell one acre, you will sell one square mile. So it's it's sort of poetry, I guess. Yeah, and and every time we had like came across a point where we didn't have a line, he'd but boom, he was right there with the line. Wow, super super writer. But uh, yeah, so so I have a version of my version of if you sell one acre that I'd like you all to hear. Yeah, love to hear it. Four. Absolutely. Here we go. If you sell one acre, you will sell one square mile. If you sell one acre, you will sell one square mile. The money man, he takes your hand and leads you by the neck and says that he just bought you now and then hands you a check. Your eyes bug out, your heart is caught, your tongue falls to the floor. He says that you can have it all You just sell yourself short But if you sell one acre You will sell one square mile If you sell one acre You will sell one square mile sells his land to the cheat who knows his price you think you need the money now so you give away your life but if you sell one acre you will sell one square mile if you sell one acre you will sell one square mile If you sell one acre, you will sell one square mile. Wow, there you go. If you sell one acre, written by our guest David Elliott, and you did the vocal as well on that one, I'm Mm -hmm. assuming. Mm -hmm. Fantastic, man. You're learning. Yeah, I'm (laughs) catching up right now, yeah. You know, the whole time I listened to that, David, um, and it's it's a really cool song. It's got a great feel to it. It reminds me of what we have going on around here right now. You know, we've had a lot of guests, Brennan Edwards and Chris Hunt Jr. and and some of those guys, and that Americana feel to that song. Okay. You know, sort of a, a okay. you know what I mean, a grassroots sort of country feel to that. Mm-hmm. And how? When was that song written? When did you do that? 
Oh, I'm, I'm saying I was like 26. Yeah, so it's been a, a, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit, right? Five years or so. Yeah. yeah. Bless you, Five bless six you six guys. Years. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm listening. I mean, Chris, did you feel the same thing out of that? I heard that when yeah. I'm listening to it. Yeah, I mean, um, so what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, the harp made that song. Uh, I, 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 think, th- yeah. I think the recording of that song, um, the harp was just uh, an echo of the words. It was like it had its own verse um, and its own words. And what a lot of people don't realize is harmonica is a freaking hard instrument to play. It, it, it is insane. But, but you know what? I, I learned how to play harmonica when I when I was in a band like when I was like sixteen years old, and we were doing a lot of Kinks stuff okay. because a lot yeah. of the early Kinks stuff yeah. had a, a lot of harmonica. And when I was up in New York for a while, and this is sort of detour subjects here, but but I uh, I, I was playing folk music in a, in a club in the village called Gertie's Folk City. And there was a duo that came in. It was an old blues duo uh, called Sonny Terry and Brandy McGee. McGee, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but Sonny Terry is a brilliant harmonica player. And there's a couple little technique things that I learned off him okay. on, on how to play a harmonica properly. Because a lot of people don't. And, and God bless um, Bob Dylan, but he doesn't play harmonica properly. <laughs> I mean, he's probably the best writer that we've ever had here in this country. Uh, but harmonica playing, eh. And I like really good harmonica playing. And there's another guy who can really, can actually play very good harmonica that people don't realize. His name is Paul Jones. He used to sing lead for the, the Manford Band Group. Okay, yeah. Uh, hum- unbelievable harmonica player yeah, but there right. really is a technique yeah and it's 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 not easy to do if you're not in a band because you there's it's not like a, a, an accompanying instrument you know where you can right. play an instrument yeah. and, and sing along with it you know you know it's, to me it's like i guess it's like horn instruments i mean that's that's all very nice but you know i, I like an instrument that i can play and then sing along with like sure like, that's why i play piano and guitar so it was. It was. It, it wouldn't have happened probably if I wouldn't have been in a band. Now you didn't record that harp, did you? Yeah. On that song? Yeah. Yikes! That was me. Wow. And you claimed an okay. What? Fine. <laughs> I claimed what? Fine. We're just blown away right now, Chris. I know, right? I just play guitar and piano. And that's all I play. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I play other instruments too, bass that's and drum, bass and drums. Because there was a that lot. Of, there was so a lot of bends. There's a lot of technique. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There's yeah. a lot of time oh, in wow, that. Wow, David. That's yeah. really impressive. Yeah. That's really impressive. Well, thank you. Is There's a fifth track, right? Is yes, there, there is. So tell us about that one. Well, um, when I was doing my first album, uh, <laughs> I mean, I had such little recording experience that uh, I always felt like I was in the way of my own album because I was still learning all the techniques and everything. And, okay. And my producer brought in all these people who were so experience in the studio and i was thinking wow you know they're really great and i'm i'm it's this is my album and i'm just learning how to do it right (laughs) you know uh but um we had we did this one track we had a we had a guy um on this track i'm about to play it's a real interesting combination of musicians we had um a bass player named rick wills who uh was in my band when I was in England, but he had to quit my band to 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 join Peter Frampton. Okay, <laughs> so it wasn't adding, it wasn't adding insult to injury, you know. Sure. And I and and anyway, I my manager wanted me to have a band. I didn't really care to have a band. I was I, I wanted to do like the early Jackson Brown kind of thing. Understood. You know, yeah. you know, singer songwriter playing playing guitar, playing piano, and and, and that that's it. Because if you've ever if you've ever heard Jackson Brown on his own without a band, it's phenomenal. Yes, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so so he he went with. Uh, he went with um, Peter Frampton, and then uh, the the guy that played um, drums on this is a guy named David Maddox, who's who's now with um, Jethro Jethro Tull. Okay, all right. But but he was with a, a British band at the time called Fairport Convention, who you probably won't know, but they were they were sort of a folk rock band, and he is an unbelievable drummer. So I had I had the drummer. Uh, that's now with uh, Jethro Tull, had the bass player, who now is with Foreigner. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. His name's Rick Wills. Great guy and a great bass player. 
And uh, but anyway, so we did the, we laid the basic track down. We didn't have a lead guitar on it, and uh, and uh, my producer said we're going to bring in a guy um, that you'll really like, Albert Lee. And I I never heard of him. Wow. I never heard of him, and he just plugged right into the board. You know, a lot of, a lot of guitarists like to have you know an amp, their amp, you know, their amp pedal board, all of yeah, 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 all yeah, that stuff. Shit. He yeah. just he just pl- he just plugged right into wow. the to the board and. It's phenomenal. What he did on this track is just phenomenal. And he didn't, and he heard it for the first time, and it was like he already knew the song. There's some people that are just, have just yeah. got that gift, yeah. and he's definitely one of them. And he's also a really great guy. Wow. That's very impressive. So, what's the title of this one? Kids Stuff. Kids Stuff. Let's give it a rip, Chris. What do you think? Coming at you. All right, man. I know you appreciated oh, wow. some of that hi-hat work. I did, yeah. That, I was listening <laughs> to that. I was uh, checking out a little That's bit on, uh, on Albert Lee. Gosh, David. What? Fantastic songs. I mean, they're just all so great. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Wow. Thanks. I mean, you know. That I, was him recording on that one with straight into the board? Yeah. It sounded like it, but it fit so well. You know what I mean? It did. I mean, I didn't think about it till later because, as I said, I was still learning yeah. about the recording, you know, technique and everything like that. Because after that, I I saw most of the guitarists that came in we were, you know, running it through an amp first and then mic and the amp. And right. of course, as you say, having forty thousand pedals. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> Anymore. Yeah. yeah. I'm but, listening to the, you know I do this show most of the time, David, and I'm you know I feel like I'm usually prepared and uh, you know listening to your songs, I'm scrambling looking at the artist and trying to catch up just to figure out how I'm, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. I think what it must be like to sort of see where this fit into place, not only in your life, but in that per, per, whoever released the song. And, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed by it all. I can't imagine listening to these artists doing my song. That must, again, I said it earlier, but that must feel incredible. And what a, what a thing to share with everybody, right? Yeah, it, it really, it really is. Um, like I say, there, and, and here's sort of a, the, the, the joke of it all. The, the girl that I wrote, I've got a bet with myself yeah. was 
a big band fan. Uh, she was an Irish girl that I knew in England, and we lost touch. She has no idea that Levon recorded that song oh, because wow. that, she would have really been flipped out about that. Sure, <laughs> so sure. But but uh, yeah, I, I'm just uh, I'm just I'm just blessed that, that these these people are recording songs of mine. I'm just uh, I'm just and, and and life ain't over yet. I'm well, still, that's what I was going to say. Pushing. You're still writing, right? I'm still writing, and I, I'm I'm. Uh, um, re-recording songs with an engineer friend of mine um, who really has some amazing programming to make these songs sound really, really uh, my songs sound really contemporary and presentable because on the strength of I'm on Fire For You, ba- Fire For You Baby in, um, by April Wine in Canada, I can go up to Toronto and hit most publishing companies and record companies and, and play them new stuff and, and hope that you know, somebody else will want to record other other songs of mine, right? Because I just, you know, I'm not gonna quit till I'm gone. You know, <laughs> I, I tell people I was born without breaks. I think I think that's what it is. Well, I mean, that's good yeah. though. Um, they and of course we were gonna ask you that. You know, are you still writing? Of course you yeah. are. Yeah. So, real, true songwriters, I don't think ever stop writing. If they don't write on paper, they keep, continue writing in their head. Um, but you know, the last line of your bio says that you perform at wineries and hotels in the three state area. Right. Right. So I mean, is it your songs? Is it everybody else's songs? Pretty, pretty much everybody else's. I, I, um, I mean, I have, I have CDs out, which actually segues into what I'm about to say. Yeah. Uh, I want to give out my website and it's David Elliott songs.com two L's and two T's. And, uh, I do have, um, eight CD albums that are available, and what I what I'm doing is I'm giving I'm giving putting my signature on some of them, so they'll you know because I know CDs are sort of on the outs, but there's still a market out there. I think believe I believe for CDs, and um, I have a lot of original. Well, they're all original songs on my CDs, but when I play um, like wires and stuff like that. I don't want to alienate the people by playing too much original stuff. I'll, I'll put one in here right, and here right. there, but you know, mostly it's like you know, uh, you know, like Jimmy Buffett and Tom Petty and that kind of stuff that I that I play for them that sure. that people know because that's you know it's well, it's, and you probably enjoy it too, right? I really do. Yeah. I really, I mean, I love Tom Petty. Yeah, and so that's not that's not a hardship. But yeah, it's mostly mostly other people's uh, stuff. Now this this uh, weekend, I'm playing at a place called Altstadt's uh, Winery in uh, Harper's Ferry. It's right behind the Clarion Hotel. Yeah, and that that'll that'll be July 22nd from five to eight o'clock. And um, uh, basically, uh, every Wednesday, I'm playing at the George Washington Hotel in Winchester from like five to seven and sometimes five to eight, if there's a lot of people there, wow, that's okay. mostly a piano gig. And that's where I do my like Elton John and Billy Joel and that kind of stuff. Every Wednesday, every Wednesday. Yeah. That's nice. That is nice. Yeah. We, we recorded this, this early. Yeah. Right? So it's Monday and Wednesday we're off. I might make yeah, it down. I was going to say, say maybe oh, that's right. yeah, oh, nice. to do. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. And I, and I put out a request list so people can, you know, pick some songs sure. and, yeah. and pick what they like to hear. But I really appreciate you having me on your oh, program. I got so many questions that I could get to. We wouldn't even have enough time. But, you know, just briefly, when you got back, you became a road warrior. You're still a road warrior. You're out there traveling around and singing and doing your that kind of thing. We've talked about this with other people we've had here, especially those that are in the recording part of it. Right. But it's changed a lot, hasn't it, David? Like, for instance, you were saying that you've made the trip up to Canada, but that doesn't necessarily even have to happen anymore the way it is, right? I mean, you could literally, things are done over the internet. You can send your... Well, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, what what I've got on my... my songs on my phone, I've got maybe 250 songs on my phone that I can email out. I mean, it used to be where record companies and publishing companies produces that wanted you to send them a CD. So you'd have to get a CD together, label, write a letter, put an envelope, go down to the post office yeah. and mail it. Now, they don't want that. And thank goodness they don't because it's so much easier. I mean, I can send a song off to anywhere in the world in right. less than five minutes on my phone. Right, it's, it's technology is a wonderful thing. It is in, in a lot of cases, and I, and I would think that would have to be, um, you know, very helpful. Obviously, but you know, to to a songwriter to get songs out like that. But 
you've watched that change. I guess the point I'm getting at is you've you've been around for all that change from where you started till now. And and basically, maybe to put it in a nutshell, as compared to, and this may sound very dinosaurish, but but um, all you really need is to get your music on on a website or on the internet and just find someone who can promote it. Right. You don't need a record label. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that though. Yeah. Yeah. A lot around. Yeah, we have. Yeah, that's true. But I, gosh, it's just a the 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 way that all these songs have been handled is just so impressive to me. That's been no. that's really impressive for sure. Cool. Yeah. Well, Holy David, cow. thanks for being on. We appreciate it. It is um, totally my pleasure. Now you reside uh, uh, just in the Eastern Panhandle, right? Yeah, I, well, no, I reside uh, near Gore, Virginia. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. just with right uh, Brennan Edwards. Oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah, he's a he's a Goronian, or what do they call Goronian. him? What do they call Goronian. him? What do they call himself? He, well, he now, called himself something. Take what was this it? with a grain of salt. He called himself a Goron. Goron. But, <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> I love Gore. Gore's a great place. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful okay. place up there okay. for sure. So, right. David, thank you so much for being on, man. It's been um, a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. I I just got to say, I feel smarter after being through this show. I do. I've learned so much, man, David. And uh, you know, you're a hidden gem here. I don't, you know, so many people probably don't know you know your background. And you and I, Chris, have uncovered several of that. You know, I think of, I think of you know Mel and Jimmy, for instance. You know, um, we folks, we've got incredible talent right in here in our area here. So go out and support these folks. When you know David's playing on Wednesday night, go see him. Buy his stuff off his inter- off the internet. Make make sure you visit his David, website. And- David Elliot Songs yeah. dot com. Yes, absolutely. So make sure you do that. My gosh. Such a great show, David. Thank you so much. I appreciate that for sure. Chris, before we roll out of here though, I better finish up that question, right? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, man. The question once again of the show was the last number one hit that was performed by a Beatle. And David had the right answer. The song is called I've Got My Mind Set on oh. You. From George Harrison, and uh, yeah, I mean it's a very the toe tapping cool song, and uh, that was actually the last one, kind of a cool thing there. So uh, we've we've missed George for many years now, but that was definitely a great song. Thank you so much, guys. Chris, man, I could not do it without you. No problem. We're wrapping up episode fifty five. We thank you guys for joining us. Next week we have Zach Townsend. I'm traveling out to Berryville, Virginia. Yeah, traveling solo. Yeah, I'll be missing. Sorry so about it's, that. It's about to be a wild show, y'all. <laughs> it's just going to be me and Zach, and we're going to have a good time. And I want to give you a sneak peek to August, the very first show in August. May or may not be some brand new music. And some sneak peeks from none other than the Low Water Bridge I Band. Know. That's so cool, man. Yeah, and they're oh. going to be right here at the uh, Homestead Studio, That'll so we're great. excited about that. Very, very, very much looking forward to it. Folks, we appreciate you joining us once again. I want to remind everybody out there, I just got back from a long trip, and you left lane loungers are still out there. Stop it. I'm tired of it. Get out of the left lane if you're not passing somebody. But until we meet again, peace. <laughs>